I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by Laneberg Wine. Make this Christmas really special by giving a gift of premium quality English wine from Laneberg Wine, the UK's most northerly wine. Based in Tyneside, you can order online at lanebergwine.com forward slash shop, where you can build your own gift to make it unique to your loved one. Use the code PURPOSEMADE to get 15% off your first gift order. Note, applies to orders over £30. Shipping costs are added on and may be significant if ordering from abroad. You're listening to the Purpose Made Podcast. A podcast dedicated to exploring the fundamental topics and key drivers for change within our global society today. This series is brought to you by Peter Bell, founder of Purpose Made, a strategic consultancy specializing in post-pandemic change and organizational transformation. I have talked to personally so many people who have had these epiphanies about their life, realizing that they don't want to go back to the status quo. Uh, They want to carve a new path ahead for themselves and just make a new relationship to labor so that they can value the things in their life that they actually do instead of waking up in a decade and realizing that we're in a much worse place, both globally and, and personally for individuals. Original Conversations. Purpose made for you. So sit back, relax, and we do hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome back to the Purpose Made podcast. In today's episode, we chat to the wonderful Catherine Himes. Catherine is a computational linguist, co-founder of Thorny Games, and a writer whose work on language, technology, and music has appeared in The Atlantic, The New York Times, and more recently, Wyatt. On November 1st, 2021, Catherine wrote an article entitled The Great Resignation Misses a Point, as around the world people are quitting their jobs in record numbers and bosses are scrambling to figure out why. The phrase itself originated in early May at a time in which Professor Anthony Klotz warned that the great resignation is coming as part of an interview held with Bloomberg. A few weeks later, the Bureau for Labor Statistics confirmed 4 million Americans left their jobs in April. The trend proved to be a global one, as within the UK, job vacancies grew to an all-time high in July and September, with available posts surpassing 1.1 million. Suddenly, people were reaching for ways to refer to this new phenomenon, unfolding before them to brand it and to make sense of it. Within this episode, Catherine and I discuss the origins of her article and how it forms part of a much wider transformation taking place within the global society today. We also discuss how by embracing an era of narrative, we can derive more meaning by focusing on the root causes rather than a simple slogan. 
This is a truly wonderful conversation that you're not going to want to miss. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and we do hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for your time. It's, um, as, as I said before, it's, uh, it's an amazing article that you wrote. And it's not just, it's, it's kind of a, a wider piece to the puzzle and in, in what you do as well in respect to um, the work that you do at your studio and the kind of work that you've done back at, at Stanford in respect to the building of the, the narrative and the understanding of language. And I think that's, that's all part of the key picture that I want to dive into beyond simplistically looking at the um, amazing article that you wrote. So before we dive into that, I think it's maybe best to start off with a little bit about the background into kind of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say my cat may be joining us. You hear some meowing in the background. Um, But my name is Catherine. I am a computational linguist, which is usually something that draws a lot of confusing stares from people. My cat Tarski has showed up. Come on, Tarski, a little later. But uh, I uh, love math and language, have since I was really little. The books that I would ask for would be like a Danish grammar. My dad was a high school math teacher. I can look back on it uh, cringeworthily right now, but um, but it led to just me wanting to pursue both paths. And finally, um, I reached a point in school where I thought I would need to pick one and double down on it. But I really discovered this field in graduate school called computational linguistics, which is all about marrying these multi-disciplines, language, computer science, math, uh, to uh, use sort of the power of all of these to have computers better understand human language. So did that in graduate school and then have worked for the last decade or so in technology companies around Silicon Valley. My uh, last stint was at Slack. Uh, that's a company focused on making work easier for people and creating a new way to communicate at work. And uh, then more generally, I'm a writer. Oh, nice. And, and talking of writing, you, you actually wrote a piece back in the early part of November called, talking about the great resignation and missing the point. So maybe let's dive into that in a little bit more detail um, and what your opinions are in respect to the writing of the article and, and how it was founded. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm especially interested uh, in how the language that we use publicly spurs particular kinds of conversations. And right now we're in a moment of radical change across so many sectors of life and work is one of them. And one of the big changes uh, that has occurred really in the last year in the U.S. uh, and more globally, too, is that uh, people are leaving their jobs in huge amounts, in unprecedented numbers. This started earlier this year. Where in April, uh, when there was over 4 million people in the U.S. that left their jobs and has continued throughout the year, increasingly breaking records. And the idea in people leaving their jobs is they are they're quitting, uh, they are taking a step back, they are opting for fewer responsibilities at their work. It is just a rethinking of what uh, is that basic relationship between people and labor. And a lot of the conversation around how this how this is happening has revolved around this term called the great resignation. And uh, that is very focused on this quitting that people are doing um, at, at mass scale. And what this piece is really looking at is that there is a bigger story beyond just people leaving their jobs. And if you look at the first order effects of how people are talking about what it is that 
people are doing or why they're doing it. It's very limited to the perspective of employers and maintaining the status quo and labor. It's very descriptive of just this moment of leaving a job. But there's such a bigger picture that we can and should talk about in terms of the radical remaking of people's relationship to work. Exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you um, for the podcast, because while it's good to see that the term is kind of getting a bit of kind of momentum behind it, it's it's just scratching the surface. And in in my opinion, it's it's somewhat short-sighted and a little bit careless into like the deeper meanings and what drove people to leave their jobs in such mass volumes, like in the UK as well. You know, there was 4 million that you mentioned in the early part of April that left. And in the UK, we're seeing a, a, a similar trend in respect to people leaving. I think in July, over 1 million people left their position. So it's looking at it, it's not just it's um, focused on on the, on the US it's a global thing and it's the element of redressing people's lives and um, understanding the characteristics that have led to people going to the exit door is, is known it's, it's driven from the fact of burnout and mental health crisis ep- epidemic of isolation the effects of pandemic flux syndrome the colossal failures that we've seen over the, the course of the last 18 or so months in respect in respect to the the pandemic and also we've We've got wider implications as well. We we recently had the the COP summit take place, and um, I think a lot of people are frustrated by industry and leaders in in respect to the watering down of some of the commitments. We saw the watering down of coal and fossil fuel commitments, for example. That you know commitments to like twenty seventy, for example, made by Modi in India, they're going to outlive some of the leaders that are making the the commitments. And I think that's where the issue lies. It's it's kind of people are being frustrated and people are looking in and around the situations that's occurring within not just a working situation, but on the wider society. And they're taking an actual real care and interest in what's taking place. And they're willing to stand up and stand against some of these injustices. And it's nice because people are finding their voice. I agree with that. Um, And I agree that there are all of these reasons that that are motivating uh, this kind of change. And I think that what's interesting, especially you bringing out, you know, the, um, you know, the, the larger issue of climate and just people needing to rethink some of the, the fundamentals of their life. I think that it's so common at this point to just derive all of your meaning and identity from work, giving up so much of time and energy to a job uh, that increasingly, uh, you know, in terms of the corporate sector uh, is gaining power. And then has had so much power over public life, uh, let alone private life, too, when it comes to just people's time. And, and I think that there needs to be a realignment around it and uh, an awakening. And, and I think that, that that's happening. There's all of these motivators going into it. And I'm sure that just the idea of burnout uh, at massive scale, especially for frontline workers, um, is maybe the first step that actually leads someone to realize they need to step back. But once you've stepped back, uh, I have talked to personally so many people who have had these epiphanies about their life, realizing that they don't want to go back to the status quo. Uh, they want to carve a new path ahead for themselves and just make a new relationship to labor so that they can value the things in their life that they actually do instead of waking up in a decade and realizing that we're in a much worse place, both globally and, and personally for individuals. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you mentioned awakening, uh, I, I totally resonate with that that term because 
we've had a period of almost like pandemic induced awakening in res- respect that we've had an opportunity to, as you said, like radically rethink. And we, we're now taking the moment of care and of clarity to challenge the very logic of what, what work is what life is about and, and finding that balance. And, and I think where we are at the moment is, um, is just the beginning. I do believe that the seas of change are already upon us and it's, it's probably going to progress into a, a labor crisis or a existential crisis in respect to how we see work lives and our existence going forward, because people have had that time to reflect. And as you say, when they're talking to one another and when they're having these conversations, you know, it's the narrative is now becoming key for change. Like if you will, we talk about in a minute in respect to the narrative that you propose in your, in your article, which I thought was fantastic, but we do see some short-term narratives in respect to wider society. This in in America, in the UK, they're all trying to utilize the terms build back better. And in the UK, we're obsessed with the term leveling up, but you know, at the same time, I don't know what it's like in the States, but in the UK, like these terms are being kind of looked at and scrutinized more than they probably have ever been. And and the actions don't correlate to the agenda. So if you look at like the leveling up agenda in the UK, we see like social care taking a massive hit. So if you earn like, I think it's, if you earn up to 100k, you'll you'll be reduced to about 20k. Whilst if you have um, uh, if you have savings of up to about 500k, this this drops down to 424,000. So like the 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 opportunity to take onus of I would say like groups like the Patriotic Millionaires, for example, in the states are doing some wonderful work. And um, I think rather than put the leveling down of the poor and the middle class it's about actually having more of a balanced um, viewpoint and making sure that legislation is is aligned to societal demands yeah in the states i, I mean there's been a waning trust in institutions for a long time and that continues to government one interesting point about the resignations part in the U.S. is that actually you know, we have meager social safety nets um, compared to other countries uh, to begin with. And certainly um, there were a, a lot less than what people needed and people were driven to the brink in the pandemic. But in yeah. some circumstances, they actually got more support than what they were getting before when they were already on the edge. And it was this ability to save a little bit that actually contributed to some people being able to quit. Um, so people actually increased their savings um, on average in the U.S. and due to some of the increased government support. But that still just gave the just small ability to then leave a situation that was terrible and gain a little bit of perspective uh, yeah. about questioning what uh, what your life had become in terms of what you're giving up for labor and and what it means to to live unsustainably in order to do the work that pays the bills and I think that uh, if anything, there's the threat of these social safety nets, uh, you know, being removed constantly. Even though you know there's um, huge legislation that is also just passed in the U.S. Um, that will inject more funds into the public, but it it already was at such an unsustainable point. This little bit of breath allowed people to make this change, and then um, you know we're just beginning to see where where it will lead. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exactly. And I guess like in respect to the narrative of the great resignation, like the thing that is good about it, that it starts the conversation and we we have an opportunity to delve in a little bit more detail in respect to that. But we've also got to take a look at the fact that it's it's somewhat short sighted in its outlook and it doesn't it fails to see the bigger picture and it it dramatically doesn't identify the root causes. But I think before we kind of delve into into all that, I think looking at the article that you wrote the narrative and how we um, communicate change and how we discuss the narrative of change is is crucial. So delving into your experience and delving into what you wrote within the article and also the work that you do within your studio, let's, let's chat a little bit more about the importance of narrative and how it can dictate both the present and the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in in story and in the power of language. I already uh, shared a little about my background as a computational linguist, but um, I run a design studio that's really focused on the stories behind language and the power that those stories hold. Um, We make games, uh, books, anthologies, work with companies to make bespoke workshops um, for their particular needs. But, But the thing that kind of energizes all of our work is really this idea of, of language and narrative. Once you have a story for something, it, it makes you ask questions. It makes you understand your world differently. It gives you a viewpoint and sort of a coordinate system to make decisions and to think about your place in the world differently. And so I, I think that, that that is 
a really fundamentally important thing to shine a light on. And uh, as a linguist, uh, I often kind of have a little bit more of a spotlight on just language and how it shapes my life. And if anything, I want to bring that uh, to other people um, uh, so that they too can think about this incredible tool that we have to communicate with one another, express ourselves, but that also is just this hugely powerful force in the world that is trying to exert pressure and influence on us constantly. Your studio as well, like how's that going? Because I was looking, um, you did like a presentation a little while back and you were talking about like different languages and stuff. I can't remember that it was some expo um, back in like 2018 or so, I think it was. Oh yeah, probably. I hope it's online. Yeah, it's going great. Um, I've been actually full-time the last few months. That was one of the changes I made where I went from working at Slack to being full-time on my studio and Mm -hmm. it... um, it, it's just, uh, it's wonderful to work for yourself, uh, as I'm sure that you know too. Yeah, it's really and, nice. Uh, and there is just, a, there's also just a great, like, growing world of interest in different, like, alternative games yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and how games can be a medium for exploring interesting questions um, yeah, exactly. that uh, are beyond, you know, just, just funsies. And uh, I think that it's been really cool having that as a, as a way to collaborate with other folks. So we've really been able to start a bunch of collaborations, which we're excited about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I, like, I, I'm obsessed with games. I used to spend a lot of time. I worked for like yeah, you EA. You worked at EA, right? I worked what? for EA for quite a while. And then I've been doing like kind of games advisory for a lot of different industries and companies. And it's, cool. um, yeah, no, it's amazing. I, I, like personally, I'm like in respect to the games industry, I am stoked in where it is heading because if you kind of look at um, what's happened with Riot, for example, the last couple yeah. of days, like the streaming was insane. Was it like 73 points something for the for the world championships that they had for the esports? And so, oh, I don't, know, 70, how, I don't know what the million, was. It was sort of ridiculous. And then obviously that Netflix show is just through the roof. They're, they're amazing. And, and also like there's a chap that um, I reckon I could should introduce you to called Nicholas who runs and owns Watcher Games over in where's he based he's in he's in Canada I think and they're doing some amazing things and again like it's more about the exploration of what's possible and yeah that's that's proper cool what they're up to at the moment yeah I'd love an intro just to say hi to other games people that are doing interesting stuff Um, yeah yeah, I think it's so people underestimate just how huge and massive games are as an or just as a it no, takes it takes so long. I remember when we used to look at like um, games development frameworks and stuff to try and find best practices, uh, how we can better make games and um, better and like make it easier to do so. It was um, it's hard and this, but it's it's good because you've got that fine balance between like there's some really compelling stories that are coming out now and really compelling narratives um, that in respect to some of the games that we're creating and and it's exciting. But yeah, like the I think people just believe that a game's like super easy to code oh, and gosh. out there and, and terrible work practices to oh, game making yeah. right yeah, i mean yeah. of awful stuff so I, um, I think there's a lot to, there's a lot of improvements to be had but i do believe that like the sector in itself yeah i think that it's probably leading the way in respect to where society's heading they, they have much more of a closer grasp to what people want and desire and i guess that's because i put so much impetus in the um customer universe the consumer universe or player network or whatever terminology you want to utilize but no it's exciting man it's really good 
Looking at your article, you, you wrote that we're in the midst of a massive change and it's essential that we continue to under, understand and describe it. Rather than grasping for a single overloaded term, there's a tremendous power in, in a name. Like This really resonated with me and I thought it was really powerful because describing it, it's, it, it's, it, there is often, and you can see it, there's palpable evidence around this, is often a, a jump and a desire to get on top of the latest buzzword or whatever it may be, rather than actually think about the importance of language and how to best utilise it and, and, and the deeper meaning behind it. So if we look at that in respect to the, the, the Great Resignation, kind of, yeah, what, what are your thoughts behind those statements and and why it is ultimately just simply an overloaded term and wh- where we should be going from here. Yeah, I think that there's such a natural in- inclination that people have to want to name things because when you name something, you control it, you can talk about it, you've pinpointed it, you've given it some form and that makes it more approachable. But it also dramatically simplifies it or, or it puts a value system on top of it. You're telling it what it is by, you know, in the act of naming something. And right now there's so much change that is happening in work that, uh, and in life, but specifically uh, in our conversation about work, there's so much change that is energizing people and that is leading to different kinds of behavior that we're in the midst of right now. And This article was really motivated by a very quick emergence of this term, the Great Resignation, to be the title, the the banner for what was the main conversation about work right now. And that title, when it's so focused on resignations, is really sparking a particular kind of conversation. That conversation, if you look more broadly, is often around the very mechanics of why people are leaving their jobs very specifically, or the loss of jobs and what that may mean, or what employers can do to think about maintaining the course for themselves so that they can keep people from resigning. But that is a really myopic view of what could be a much broader conversation around the feelings and the situations and all of the reasons why people are ultimately leaving their jobs and what they're thinking of doing next. And this broader conversation about a realignment towards work and its place in life. And so this idea of names and a call to description is really saying, we should pause at this moment and just actually go through the act of being uncertain a little bit and describe what's happening versus just gleaming onto a single term that's going to limit the way that we think and what we talk about just by its nature. And that term is useful in particular contexts, but to have it be the banner term that we talk about this entire remaking of relationships to work uh, is underselling what is a bigger change. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the crucial element of it all is the the ability to take care of the narrative and take care, take care of people. Because what's driving this large exodus, and we can see it in statistics, there was a report recently released where it said approximately 41% of those surveyed are considering leaving their jobs because of this, uh, their company not caring about them or not having concerned about them during the pandemic. The element of care is is crucial. I'll, I'll provide a link in the um, description of the podcast to this specific article I'm quoting, but the care bit really resonates with me in the fact that there's no need to be super obsessed with like a terminology. It's it's the fact that um, take the time to think holistically about what what we need to do and what we need to achieve at this moment in time. And 
Oh, including of that is, you know, it, it provides a, a bigger, wider conversation as to like dig a deeper and dig deeper into the frailties of society today. The the opportunity to ask hard questions that potentially arise from uncomfortable truths. Like it's it's these moments of clarity that we've been provided during, like I said, this like pandem- pandemic led clarity, I would say. Um, we've been given a moment of of real opportunity to change for the better of people and the planet and i think where we where we're heading now it's um it's just the beginning of the discussion so i'm personally really excited because um having read your article it's one of many that are talking about progressive change and there's amazing industries out there that are talking and, and doing progressive change and looking where we are now it's important not to be obsessed by the um, the terminology that we use, but more so become engrossed in the conversation and become part of the conversation because time waits for no one. We, we like we're progressing as we speak, and we need to understand that the pandemic is far from over. We're seeing it throughout the throughout the world. Like there's cases and there's deaths, and there's, there's the issue in respect to the Delta Plus variant that's taken hold as well. Like pandemics are going to be part of our lives so we need to understand that um in order to solve them like the narrative is going to be important because you need to get people on board with what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to deliver so having reliable narratives that empower action and accountability the same applies to the the cop um summit that took place like we need to see action and accountability now rather than in you know 50 odd years time it's ridiculous so like there's much more to be taken from initial conversations like this in respect to where we can go and what we can achieve. Because, yeah, I think it's a it's a moment of clarity. And that's why rather than use terminology like the great resignation, it's part of a bigger picture in my perspective in respect to like the great awakening or whatever you may want to coin a term. But it's it's ultimately about actually we've taken a moment to think. We've taken a moment to step out of the weeds and think this is what we can achieve. And now it's about seeing action and onus and accountability to take place. And I'm, I'm really excited for the future. I think we've got a really positive future ahead. So um, no, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed your article and I'll, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast. And um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. And I have to say, I am also optimistic about the road ahead. Uh, I think that, you know, in going through such a radical just upheaval of life. Um, I, I think that that will lead to change. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Made podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views. You can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.